When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and this is episode number 66 of the podcast. And today, we're going to preview what could be the 49ers season finale, week 18 versus the Los Angeles Rams, including who's really playing quarterback. Is this Niners season a success or a failure? And what are the keys to victory on Sunday versus the Rams? But first, We have some injury news. Kyle Shanahan talked to the media today, and he gave the injury updates we've been waiting for for this Rams game. Questionable, Marcel Harris, an Achilles injury. Aziz Alshire has a knee. He's unlikely to play. Kyle Shanahan said he would be surprised if he suited up on Sunday. Maurice Hurst has a calf injury, still on IR. Jaquiski Tart has a shoulder. Dre Greenlaw, a groin injury. Trent Williams did not practice all This week, he has an elbow injury, and of course, Jimmy Garoppolo has the thumb. But with all that said, we do have some good news activated off the IR and the COVID list. Emmanuel Mosley, Ambry Thomas, and Talanoa Hufunga, they are all expected to play on Sunday. But again, with COVID hitting this team as hard as it has all year, luckily, uh, it has not hit us uh, the majority of the season, albeit maybe this week is the most important week Uh, for it to hit us, so it does kind of stink there, but Jimmy Ward, Dante Johnson, K1 Williams, and Raheem Mostert all remain on the COVID reserve list. Now, granted, Mostert is on IR still, will not play at all this year, Uh, has no factor in Sunday's game, but Ward, Johnson, and Williams all do. Kyle Shanahan says he was optimistic that all all of those guys become active either tomorrow or on Sunday, but again, Something to look out for, especially if Ward and Williams cannot play. And before we dive into the keys to victory, how the Niners can win, what could hold them back on Sunday, who's playing quarterback, I want to give you really one final time the playoff scenarios for this Niners team. The Niners are 9-7 after they beat the Houston Texans, and again are one win away from winning and clinching a playoff berth. So here's how San Francisco can clinch a playoff spot this week via the NFL. It's pretty simple. The first option is, you win on Sunday versus the Rams, you are the sixth seed. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. The second option is, if San Francisco loses, the Saints have to lose, and Philadelphia has to lose for San Francisco to secure that sixth seed. The other option is, and the last option to make the playoffs is if San Francisco loses, New Orleans also has to lose, and it makes whatever Philadelphia does irrelevant, whether win or loss. But if Philadelphia does win on Sunday and the Niners and Saints both lose, the Niners are the seventh seed in the playoffs. And then, of course, if the Niners lose and the Saints win, 
pack it up, come back to the Bay Area, season's over with, and everyone goes their separate ways. And we start what will be a very fascinating offseason, albeit maybe not many questions going into the offseason, but one very big one, uh, what happens at quarterback. But before we get into the offseason stuff and talk about you know what happens after Week 18, uh, let's talk about how San Francisco can win on Sunday and secure that playoff spot versus the Rams. It's the biggest game of the year. I feel like I've been saying that for six, seven weeks. Uh, really, ever since the Bears game, it has been maybe not a must-win, but it's been you got to win. <laughs> you really have to win uh, on Sunday or Monday or Thursday, whatever day they played. So this Sunday, and let's start with the Niners' defense versus the Rams' offense. Uh, the Rams have one of the best offenses in football, led by Matthew Stafford. We know the whole offseason talk was Kyle Shanahan wanted Matthew Stafford. Uh, he was upset that Sean McVay ended up getting Matthew Stafford. Uh, when he was in Cabo, he heard the news, wasn't sure how fast it was going to happen. Happened too quick for Shanahan's liking. Uh, and of course, Matthew Stafford ended up in Los Angeles. Uh, they started off hot this year. Uh, Stafford looked like he was going to be, you know, the Tom Brady guy, the Mahomes guy, the Rodgers guy that uh, many Niner fans or those around the NFL expected him to be. And for what it's worth, uh, Matthew Stafford did start off the year very well. Uh, weeks one through eight, Matthew Stafford averaged 309 yards, a 69 comp percentage, borderlining 70% uh, completion rate, almost 10 yards per attempt at 9.7. He almost had three touchdowns a game at 2.8. Only averaged one turnover with interceptions and fumbles combined through really eight weeks of the year and wasn't even sacked one time a game. Again, really good numbers to start the season. There's a reason why the Rams are in this position to, in their case, if they win, clinch a playoff spot or more so clinch that division against the Cardinals. But then we saw something a little different happen in the second half of the season. And this is where I kind of want everybody to focus up. Because weeks 9 through 17, so the second half of the year, Stafford dipped from 309 yards per game to 271 he now has a 66 comp percentage compared to 69. Instead of averaging 9.7 yards per attempt, it's down to 7.3. Instead of almost 3 TDs a game, it's down to a flat 2. And instead of 1 turnover a game, it's now 1.7. And now he's being sacked about 2.3 times a game. But I want to dive in even a little deeper. So there's an obvious split. A really good Matthew Stafford weeks 1 through 8. Now, Stafford's stats, 9-17, through 17, are not bad. And let's be clear, not bad. But when you dive deeper, the last three weeks, Matthew Stafford has really struggled uh, taking care of the football and really even being effective when he has the ball in his hands. Almost lost last week to the Ravens. Uh, and to be clear, that was a piss-poor outing by Stafford. Uh, the last three weeks, against Seattle, Minnesota, and the Ravens, two of those teams not very good. Uh, we know playing Minnesota and Seattle firsthand how how bad they are or how much we should have beaten Seattle and really how weak they've been all year. But the last three weeks, Matthew Stafford has been averaging 250 yards, a 67 comp percentage, which is, again, that's kind of where he's been all year pretty close to it, but... 7.4 yards per average, only 1.7 touchdowns per game. And again, let's go back to weeks 1 through 8. One turnover a game. Second half of the season, 9 through 17 weeks, 1.7 turnovers a game. 
His last three weeks, 2.3 turnovers per game, also being sacked 1.7 times per game. All those stats, all the numbers to tell you, uh, there is a clear downward trend in Matthew Stafford's game. Now, if you want to argue how much or how much does that really matter on Sunday against San Francisco, maybe not too much, but I tell you that to give you context as to the Matthew Stafford the Rams traded for, he was there weeks 1-8 through eight for sure, and he was existent somewhat weeks 9-17, through 17, but realistically, the last three weeks, last month of the season, Matthew Stafford has not been playing good football. Or if you want to categorize it as good, I could say below average at least, right? He has not been the guy they traded Jared Goff and two first-round picks for later in the last three weeks of the season, when it's mattered most, when they've had their season on the line, they've gotten lucky at certain points. Now, don't get me wrong, San Francisco has gotten lucky many a times this year. Luck factors into playoff seeding, where you've been, who you play, when you play, where you play certain teams. All of it matters. All of it comes into context. But Matthew Stafford, he really has been on a downward trend. He's turned the ball over almost 2.3 times per game. And if you're going to give San Francisco the ball two times uh, in an offense that has Elijah Mitchell, uh, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, an offensive line that's played very well uh, in the last few weeks, my money will be on San Francisco. Now, there are still concerns on the Niners' side, and we'll get to that stuff pretty soon. But uh, Matthew Stafford, the last three weeks, really has not been the Matthew Stafford we maybe had been talking about in the offseason of what he can bring to a Niners team, but even what he brought to a Rams team weeks one through eight, he really has not lived up to that uh, that level he showed earlier on in the year. Uh, Matthew Stafford this year has thrown the second most interceptions. He's only behind Trevor Lawrence for the most. He has 15 picks this year. He, he's not afraid to sling it around and... What comes with that mentality of a gunslinger comes turnovers. Like, I don't want to compare Matthew Stafford to Brett Favre because he isn't that turnover prone as far as was late in his career, but it's very similar, right? I think Stafford's much more careful with the ball, but Stafford has some Favre to him, right? Uh, that's what makes guys like Aaron Rodgers so really just incredible to watch is that he's so effective and doesn't give the ball away. On the flip side, Favre was a turnover machine. Put up big numbers in TDs and yards, but also in the turnover category. And while Stafford hasn't been, you know, 20 picks, 30 picks a year like Jameis Winston, he has been able and shown the ability to not be scared to give the ball away. We saw it in primetime against San Francisco. saw it in primetime against Tennessee. We saw it last week against the Ravens. And we have seen it a lot more the last three weeks of the season versus Seattle, Minnesota, and the Ravens again. So uh, I, I wouldn't go into Sunday totally worried about Matthew Stafford because let's also be clear, the last two weeks, or excuse me, two seasons, he's given up the most pick sixes. More than Darnold, more than Herbert, Brady, and Carr. Matthew Stafford has thrown seven pick sixes the last two seasons. Matthew Stafford this year alone, I believe, has thrown more pick sixes than Aaron Rodgers' entire career. Now, my whole point isn't to compare Stafford to Rodgers or or the top elite, you know, number one quarterbacks. It is to point out that Stafford has struggled more recently, and 
I wouldn't go into Sunday's game fearing Matthew Stafford despite everything we've heard in the offseason or maybe the the looming threat of, well, Matthew Stafford's with McVay now. Oh, no. Like, I wouldn't be too worried about Matthew Stafford. And really, my my mind really also isn't worried about the Rams' run game, albeit uh, the Niners held this Rams' offense to 52 rushing yards in Week 10 when we played them last but this is a different Rams rushing attack. Daryl Henderson's on IR. He's not going to play. Uh, Sony Michelle has looked a lot better the second half of the season. He was named the starter week 13 versus Jacksonville. Uh, he's averaging 99.4 yards a game, 4.6 yards per average, and about a little over one touchdown a game. Like, Sony Michelle has been more effective than Daryl Henderson all year. And that's no knock on Henderson. He's a very valuable running back to have in your room. But Michelle has been running hard physically. Uh, he has looked like a number one running back in a better running scheme in LA. And since taking over, has really improved that rushing attack. Now flip it a little bit. Look at San Francisco's run defense. Uh, they haven't allowed a 100 rushing yard outing outside of one game in the last three weeks. Or, excuse me, eight weeks, excuse me. The last time San Francisco allowed a 100-yard rushing performance was against Seattle. And now you, you, know, you can argue, well, they played, you know, the Texans and, and the Titans with no Derrick Henry. That's true. All that stuff is true, but they also played Joe Mixon. They, they also played Dalvin Cook. Guys who are considered top-tier running backs in this league. And they held them and then stuffed them uh, for like, under 75, 80 yards. Like, the Niners' run defense has been phenomenal this year. Eric Armstead's now playing more inside. DJ Jones has come on this year. And there might be some guys coming back like Mel Hurst to help you uh, to give those guys a breather to keep them more fresh. Kevin Givens has played pretty well this year. Not great, but he's played pretty well. Like, there, there's reasons to believe that this Niners defense shouldn't be too worried about Matthew Stafford or too worried about the Rams' run def- uh, run offense. But then there's kind of this wrinkle. Uh, Daryl Henderson's on IR, but then Cam Akers, their bell cow back uh, from last year, rookie year, great rookie year last year, got hurt, uh, tore his Achilles. But all of a sudden now he's healthy again week 18. Uh, they're hoping to have him at least back in the fray for the Rams' playoff run, which they've already clinched a playoff spot, just a matter of a division or wild card for them. But how much of a factor does Cam Akers really make in this game? And in my mind, I expect them to try to get him going early, get him acclimated early in this game, maybe a few runs in their first couple drives and kind of see where he's at and see you know, you know what he can do for them. But I, I would fully expect Michelle to be the, the number one back in this game. Uh, depending on you know who's ahead, when they're ahead, and how far they're ahead, obviously. Uh, but I but I fully expect Acres to try to be worked in early, see where he's at, and maybe just kind of be a breath of fresh air to the offense uh, for the Rams, trying to get him going for the playoffs. Because let, let's be clear here, uh, Michelle is a really good running back. Acres has the ability to be a top ten back in this league. And if you can get him going, and if he's fresh and he's ready to go, that's a scary element to add to this Rams team. And let's be honest here, the fact that you're adding a top-tier running back to this offense this late in the year, who, again, is seemingly healthy, still a question mark as to how healthy Akers is, because he came back so quick from the injury, 
if he's healthy on Sunday or healthy enough on Sunday to be an element that we have to circle on the you know the, the whiteboard, that could be a problem. But I'm not exactly too worried about Cam Akers simply because it's his first game back. I would not expect Sean McVay to give him 25 carries. I would expect him to have five, maybe six, just to see where he's at uh, in regards to his rehabilitation and to get him acclimated back on the field on Sunday. But I think the biggest question mark in every Niners uh, fan's head is, who is guarding Cooper Cup, right? Whenever you play the Rams, the biggest question mark is, who is guarding Cooper Cup, whether it's the Ravens playing them, Minnesota, Seattle Cardinals, every single defensive coordinator, uh, every single cornerback playing, lining up across from him, knows how good he is, right? He's having a receiving year on par with Calvin Johnson's incredible 2008 through 10 stretch, right? He has been, arguably, this is the best receiver season we've seen since Johnson, and it's been on par with guys like Jerry Rice and Randy Moss and other guys of that caliber. Now, obviously, Cup has a long way to go to reach those records and all that stuff and reach that level of play, but at least for this year alone, he has been receiver number one across the league in all categories. Cooper Cup is the best player on this Rams offense by far. He is their best skill position player. And he's someone that if you do if if you do not make sure to stop him or limit him, he will hurt you in every facet of the game. He'll have 10 catches, he'll have over 100 yards, and he will score two touchdowns if you do not make sure you can limit what he can do to you. But the biggest hitch in this plan of who can guard Cooper Cup is really the COVID list. And again, you hate to make excuses, but Lenore's on the COVID list for San Francisco. He is your backup nickelback. But on top of that, Kwan Williams, who has played very good nickel the past three seasons in San Francisco, maybe even four seasons in San Francisco, uh, he's also on the COVID list. And if he can't go, the question becomes, well, Cooper Cup takes most of his snaps in the slot. If you don't have your top guy line up against him, that's trouble. That's big time trouble. And so... Who are you going to put out there? Lavert Hill? Are you going to put Darquez Denard that just got signed? There are worries there, at least for me. And I think most Niner fans would agree here. Uh, OBJ is OBJ. He'll have four catches, maybe you know 60 yards. Uh, and he has the ability to go off, but I'm not as worried about OBJ as I am Cooper Cup. <laughs> like, you have to make sure Cooper Cup does not hurt you. He is someone... That when you circle him, you say, anybody else but that guy, right? Same way if you're playing the Niners, anybody else but Debo. It's the same kind of thing. And if I'm San Francisco and K1 Williams cannot play due to COVID, uh, and you better hope that Tavon Wilson is active on Sunday because Jimmy Ward may not be active due to COVID as well. And if Tavon Wilson can't play off the IR, you have no free safeties. And that's where things get tricky because Tart, he is most likely the candidate to move over to free safety, just being in the system for so long, uh, knowing the scheme, been, been here for almost a decade, it seems like, and letting Talanoa Hufanga, who's active, move over. But if Talon Wilson is active, you can put him at free safety, put Tart maybe in the box, or put Tart in coverage, playing the high safety, and then bring Hufanga in the box. And it changes a lot of things you can do defensively. 
uh, and kind of let Hufanga be uh, that kind of that prowling safety to play, you know, to, to limit plays past 10 yards. Uh, but again, what Cooper Cup does on Sunday, and, and which is why it's so hard to answer who's guarding Cooper Cup is because we don't know who is going to be active on Sunday against the Rams. And it has nothing to do with injuries. It has everything to do with COVID. And so it makes this really tricky because Jimmy Ward had two picks against the Rams in Week 10, one of them being a pick six. You know, again, Hufanga's back, and so you're waiting on Taylor Wilson to know, like, what scheme, what plan, what game plan defensively can you run against these guys? And if Dante Johnson's back, that's an option to play nickel, and that's probably the first pick I would choose, unless you want to move Mosley inside, which doesn't seem likely. Again, there's so many options, so many ways you can do this stuff, and the one thing I would not want to do is have Josh Norman play nickel or have Avery Thomas play nickel. Those are two guys that Thomas looks much more comfortable playing on the outside, and I think you go Mosley and you mix in Norman and Thomas on the outside and just kind of hope one of those safeties get activated off the COVID list or the IR in hopes you can guard Cooper Cup because... If you can't guard Cooper Cup, uh, you're looking for a nightmare waiting to happen on Sunday. And so, again, that's obviously a matchup to look out for. I think every Niner fan is praying that of all the guys in the COVID list, granted we want all of them to be healthy, of all the guys off IR, you are hoping it's Jimmy Ward and Kwan Williams because those are your big playmakers. Those are your hard hitters. Those are the best guys that can be useful. And those are the best guys that have the the matchups and the physicality and really are the best players uh, that have the best ability to guard someone like Cooper Cup. But on the flip side, forget Cooper Cup for one second here. We know how good he is. Move to OBJ. The question, and all the media has been talking, right, of, you know, how much OBJ has been acclimated to the Rams offense now of, you know, now he's six, seven weeks into the season with the Rams and how much better he's looked. Well, I went, as most of us should, as most of the media should, and I looked at his stats. Now, I understand stats are not everything. We know this. Stats only still part of the picture. They do not tell how good someone is run blocking or how good their routes are or other things they have done to help this team. But Odell Beckham, pre-trade in Cleveland, okay? 5.7 targets per game, borderline 6. 2.8 receptions per game, 38.7 yards per game, 0 touchdowns. Move over to the Rams, so post-trade. The last 6 games... For Los Angeles, 6.7 targets, so one more target than he was getting in Cleveland. He has 3.8 receptions, so one more reception per game than he was in Cleveland. Now, here's the kicker. 44.8 yards, a little uptick in yards per game, and .8 touchdowns. So he's almost averaging one touchdown per game since he came over with the Rams. Now, that is the difference here. It's sometimes it's not about how much you touch the ball. It's when, when you do touch the ball, how effective you are with the ball, right? That's the big argument with Kittle. Uh, when Kittle gets the ball 15 times, 8 times, the Niners usually do not win games, which doesn't make a lot of sense. But when he gets the ball 5, 6 times and has 86 yards and 1 touchdown, that's when San Francisco finds their sweet spot. They are running effectively, 
and they're hitting Kittle in the red zone. He's getting big first down plays. It's very tricky of, it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't matter how much you touch the ball. It matters how effective you are when you touch the ball. And that's the biggest difference between OBJ in Cleveland and in Los Angeles. He really is only touching the ball one more time a game, but he has now become more effective with the football. Sean McVay has has a scheme more fit to what he can do, his strengths. He's averaging more touchdowns, roughly seven to six more yards a game, and really has, I don't want to say come into his own because he has not been the OBJ he was in New York by any means, because he's not receiver number one there. And if, if Robert Woods was healthy, he would be receiver three, being OBJ. And so these numbers would be worse, most likely, but because Woods is out, which I think hurts the Rams more than OBJ being healthy does, OBJ, I, I won't say is a problem, but he is someone who, in my opinion, I would keep Mosley on. At least shut down, you know, OBJ, right? And, or... If you want to do it the smart way, maybe even the better way, you put Ward and Mosley on cup and let Thomas and Tart and whoever's playing, you know, you know, on the other side deal with that. Norman, whoever's doing that, let them guard OBJ. Because Cooper Cup lives in that nickel spot, right? You're going to have Ward and Kwan, maybe even Mosley on him at certain times. If you can shut down OBJ and just like San Francisco did on week 10, they almost borderline let the Rams target Cooper Cup. They just limited uh, the depth of target for him. A lot of short dink and dunk stuff, put pressure on him, were physical with him. It was very rare at times uh, he was breaking one big, right? Uh, it was like thir- it was like 11 catches for 120 yards, but it took him 11 catches to get there, and he wasn't averaging, you know, th- there was no big chunk play. It was 5 yards, 7 yards, 10 yards, Back to five, back to three. Like he had like three drops in that game. The the impressive thing San Francisco did when Cup was out there, where they were physical with him, they let him touch the ball plenty. The Rams are going to get Cooper Cup the ball. It just depends on how much yak you allow him to get, uh, how much open space he has, and if, if you can shut down OBJ in return and literally make the Rams force feed Cooper Cup. It does limit what they can do offensively, despite how good Cooper Cup is with the football. And it also helps. You might get Dre Greenlaw back to help limit what Higby can do up the middle. And really a lot of other things the Rams like to do across the middle of the field. And so again, uh, the Niners, if they get their guys off COVID back, which is three guys in the secondary, Johnson, Williams, and Ward, and you add in possibly getting Maurice Hurst, Talanoa Hufunga, Tavon Wilson, Andre Greenlaw back off the IR. Maybe even Marcel Harris can go. San Francisco might be the healthiest they have been since week one. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm a team playing a Niners team that's been the healthiest they've been since week one, that terrifies me. A Niners secondary at full strength, a linebacker core that has both their starters back, albeit Al Shire is gone, but Greenlaw, who started week one, is back healthy. That terrifies me if I'm an opposing offense. And you add in Nick Bosa, Arden Key, who has six sacks. You know Arden Key played 37 games for the Raiders? He had three total sacks. For the Niners, Arden Key has played like 16 games. He has six sacks. Arden Key, in one season, not even a full season, 
with San Francisco has already doubled his sack total. And really, it's been since week 12 that he's done so. Week week 11 since he's done that. Like, Arden Key has been better in the last six weeks than he's been in his entire Raider tenure. Then you add in DJ Jones and Eric Armstead. I'm really not too worried about this Rams offense. I'm really not. The one area I am worried about, though, and this is the key to victory for every game, but more so against the Rams, because this is where every game, every matchup they have played has been won thus far with Shanahan and McVay being head coaches, and that's in the trenches. The Rams D-line against the San Francisco 49ers offensive line, and vice versa. I want you to go back to 2020. So last year, the Niners are kind of middling again, Garoppolo's hurt, and he comes back, okay? What did they do to neutralize Aaron Donald? Now, Daniel Brunskill was still playing right guard, albeit maybe a different right tackle and center, but Daniel Brunskill was great blocking Aaron Donald. And the reason why he was great blocking Aaron Donald was simply because San Francisco had a hurt Jimmy Garoppolo, sounds familiar, right? That couldn't, that needed to get the ball out quick. A lot of quick passes, a lot of dump-offs, a lot of screen passes. Let his receivers get the ball, get yak, and do their thing. Well, that same thing really applies here. How do you neutralize Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, who's also now with the Rams? How do you how do you neutralize and limit their impact against your offensive line? Well, Quick passes, slant routes, screens, dump-offs. The same thing San Francisco did. Now, albeit Jimmy's injury is somewhat different, if Jimmy's actually playing on Sunday, and we'll definitely get to that, but if Jimmy is playing on Sunday, the thumb injury is a little different, but if it impacts how well he can throw, how far he can throw, the windows in which he can throw into, or how comfortable he is throwing into whatever window he has, How do you neutralize Donald and Miller and Floyd? You, again, do the screen passes, the dump passes, the quick screen passes to limit how much time those elite players, those really good players, can get in and penetrate the offensive line of San Francisco. Now, the other kicker is Trent Williams has not practiced all week. Now, every Niner fan hears that and they go, Oh, oh God, I'm scared. And... Well, if it was a normal injury and it wasn't week 18 and it was week 5, we'd all say, oh God, like what's going on? But there is good news despite there being an injury there. Kyle Shanahan said that he expects Trent Williams to play on Sunday versus the Rams. He also said, and I think we all know this, that Trent Williams, being as good as he is, the elite level, the Pro Bowl level left tackle he is, he don't need to practice. <laughs> he has been at the top of his game all year. He is the NFL's highest rated player per PFF. Uh, you can give him a week off and he'll come out on Sunday ready to go. So I am not too worried about Trent Williams missing time. But if he happens to miss on Sunday and Jalen Moore is out there playing left tackle, you best believe Von Miller, Aaron Donald, and Leonard Floyd are going to be on him like white on rice, as <laughs> as we say in the Midwest, right? But if if that's the case and Williams can't play and Moore's out there, that furthers my point even more. No pun intended. 
if Moore is playing left tackle and Compton is playing right tackle and you're a little worried of, you know, they have this good defensive line, that furthers my point. You're going to see screen passes, dump passes, and do other things to make sure that Donald and Miller and Floyd have no impact, right? But one thing I actually am worried about, more than Williams being injured, and even really even more so um, than the quarterback situation, it might be equal to that of the COVID situation going on with us in regards to secondary, is the run defense. Now, we can agree that Kyle Shanahan has always wanted to establish the run. Uh, every year, it's I got five running backs that I can trust to run the ball 20 times, 15 times a game. Uh, and Kyle Shanahan loves to scheme for the run, control the clock, right? That's Shanahan's scheme we've seen so far in San Francisco. Well, on Sunday, it might be a little difficult. Now, it wasn't too difficult against the Rams in Week 10, right? They run all over the Rams. Uh, it looked very much like uh, the Niners team we've seen. They ran the ball like 64% of the time. It was kind of the first, I don't want to say overreaction, but it was kind of the first you know, heavy uh, spectrum shift back to the heavy run scheme when Mitchell came back uh, and he dominated that game uh, for San Francisco. But it's been a while since then. And the Rams' run defense from weeks 1 through 8, it was 17th in the NFL per PFF. Now, weeks 8 through 17, let me remind you, they played in week 10 against San Francisco at Levi Stadium. But from weeks 8 through 17, they are the number one ranked run defense in football. The Rams are the... And really, it's not just, not just from weeks 8 through 17. Overall, since they've gone on this really good stretch of great run defense, they're the number one team in football in regards to run defense. That's insane. And Kyle Shanahan, Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson Jr., Jermichael Hasty, Trey Sermon might be back this week. Whoever's out there, whoever Shanahan, it'll likely be Mitchell. Um, whoever's out there on Sunday getting carries and handoffs and attempts, you're going to have your hands full. This Rams team is playing with confidence. They went to Baltimore and beat the Ravens, albeit backup quarterback Huntley over Jackson, and a kind of reeling Rams team, but or excuse me, Ravens team. But this Rams team has high confidence. This defense is playing really well, especially against the run. And yeah, you can argue, well, Dalvin Cook didn't play for the Vikings, and Seattle doesn't have you know, Chris Carson. Like There are excuses there late in the year just like there has been for San Francisco, right? Like, that that happens. Players get hurt, right? Uh, but sometimes you have to capitalize on what the other team gives you, and the Rams have done that so far. And the last player you want to face with confidence is Aaron Donald and the number one ranked Rams defense that has full confidence in what they can do on Sunday. Like This, this is not going to be a Week 10 Rams versus Niner game, at least I don't expect it to be. This is not going to be a you control the clock for 38 minutes. It's not going to be that way. This game is going to be a lot more even keeled. I think each team is going to have their shots. Each team is going to make mistakes. And it's really going to be an NFC West battle for, one, the Niners' playoff spot, but also the Rams want to win that division. They want to be the two-seed. A two-seed secures home field advantage for them pretty much throughout the entire playoffs unless they play Green Bay, which 
anything could happen. So the Rams are playing for something too. They, they get to stay home for three weeks. And if you're the Rams and you don't have to play Green Bay, they get to stay home for the first round, the divisional round, the championship game, and if the Super Bowl stays in Los Angeles, they can stay home the entire time. Like, the Rams have a lot on the line here, at least in regards to home field advantage. Now, they can go to the wild card, they can beat Arizona and beat whoever they play, but again, the Rams aren't playing for nothing. And you can argue they're playing for just as much as San Francisco, albeit San Francisco is trying to clinch a playoff spot and the Rams are trying to clinch home field advantage. So, I'm not going into this game, you know, lightheartedly, and I don't think that I don't think other Niner fans are, and they shouldn't be. But the one area, the one area which I do think San Francisco should exploit, and Kyle Shanahan, I believe, will exploit this. It's the one area, other than running the football, which you know Shanahan wants to do. The one area I think, and really, it's come down to two players. Two players, San Francisco needs to exploit. You know, people want to talk about, well, it's Jimmy's thumb. How well can he throw? This this point here does not matter who's playing quarterback. Whether it's Trey, whether it's Jimmy G. Heck, if it was Nate Sudfeld, it wouldn't matter who's playing quarterback. There are two players you want to attack with the ball. Now, we all know you want to stay away from Jalen Ramsey, right? Do not target Jalen Ramsey. We know this. But, Troy Reader... One of their linebackers this year, he is awful in coverage. Awful. He pretty much allowing 80% comp percentage, 79.6, allowing 8.6 yards per catch. He's allowed three touchdowns, has a 98.2 quarterback rating against him, allowed 251 yards of yak. Circle that, highlight it, put it in your pocket, put it in your phone, put it in the mail. Make sure you don't forget... 251 yards of yak from one player. He also has a 14.4 missed tackle percentage. Now, let me ask you, what are the two things San Francisco is really good at? Oh, yak and breaking tackles. Whether it's Debo, Ayuk, or Kittle, they're called the yak bros for a reason, right? Well, if you want to use your strengths and you have a quarterback who might be hurting Jimmy with his thumb... Why not exploit that guy? Why not target that guy who gives up one of the highest yak yardages in the league and has one of the worst missed tackle rates in football? Eh, Troy Reader, I'm coming for you. <laughs> um, the other guy is Darius Williams. He is the opposite corner of Jalen Ramsey. I'm sure a lot of teams try to target him, uh, which sometimes is an advantage for that player to have a high INT rate. Uh, to have a high uh, comp percentage rate, or I guess in his case, a low one. But that hasn't really been the case. Uh, Williams this year, opposite of Ramsey, is allowing a 60.7 comp percentage over almost 11 yards per catch. He's allowed three touchdowns, a 90.8 rating against him, and 193 yards per yak. Again, there are guys on this Rams defense outside of the big-name stars, right? The LA's always been big-name stars. That's who they've been for a long time, whether it's baseball or the NBA or football. Big stars don't mean much sometimes when the rest of your crew stinks. Like, look at the Lakers. They got LeBron and Westbrook and AD. And Now, I'm not trying to compare the Rams to the Lakers, but sometimes stars don't mean much. 
Brady went 17-0, 18-0, and lost to the Giants in the playoffs. Like, and they had Moss and Welker and Brady and Seymour and Wiltfork and, and, and all of the other guys out there. Like, sometimes stars don't mean much when the rest of your team, eh, they ain't that good. And guys like Reader and Williams, who I can respect them, they're in the NFL. You can't just throw the ball to them 24 times a game. Like, they will hurt you eventually. Guys who you can beat with big plays if you want to play quick, want to play fast, it's Reader and Williams. This is a game where George Kittle should show off. And that brings me to my next point of, we know who San Francisco wants to use against guys like Reader and like Williams. Debo Samuel. I'm not sure if you knew this, but he's pretty good, right? Arguably the number two best receiver in football, at least the best offensive weapon in football based on versatility. Well, Debo Samuel, forget what he's done this year. Forget all of that, right? What has he done against the Rams? Against the Rams. Um, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. He has 27 catches, 327 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns, nine rushes, 59 yards, and three total rushing touchdowns. I will give that to you in simple terms. Debo Samuel. In one game this year, two games last year, and two games in 2019. So five total games. He has 37 total touches, just under seven a game, just over six per game. 386 total yards and five touchdowns. The Rams, every time, outside the first time they played in 2019, Debo's rookie year, outside of that game alone, They have not been able to stop Debo Samuel. Like, he's he's averaging a touchdown a game against the Rams alone. He's averaging, like, what? (laughs) He's averaging 60 plus yards against them. Like, Debo Samuel has been borderline unstoppable against the Rams his entire career. It's, it's insane what he's done. And if you're looking, again, the target guys like Williams and Reader and exploit them, get the ball out quickly, uh, Debo Samuel is your prime candidate. They have Cooper Cup. Well, we, we got a Debo Samuel, you know? And it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with Debo Samuel. We know we have the best tight end in football on the inside. Now, here's here's the tricky part here is that with Jimmy Garoppolo's injury, if he is starting, George Kittle to me is the biggest wild card because again, if you're San Francisco, and this even goes even further if Trent Williams cannot play, which again, it is likely he plays, but if he cannot play, George Kittle becomes even more of a wild card. If you're Kyle Shanahan, and let's say you decide to play Jimmy Garoppolo, knowing he has that thumb injury. What's the one thing you're going to want to do for him, to him, whatever word you want to use? You're going to want to protect him. Now, there are many ways you can do so. Again, one of those being quick passes, screens, all that stuff. The other way is to do what might not be the best option, but is one Shanahan has used multiple times in many big games. 
He leaves Kittle in the backfield to block. And if Jalen Moore is playing left tackle, do expect George Kittle to be on the left side of the offensive line helping blocking. That's just a fact. That is something Shanahan has done many a times. And that could lessen the impact of George Kittle in the passing game. So Niner fans, and I, I know you're already hoping and worried if Williams can't play what's going to happen. Uh, I'd be worried even more now. Because although I do expect him to play, Shanahan expects him to play. If Williams cannot play, well, then George Kittle, he might be limited in what he can do offensively for us. And what he's done against the Rams has been pretty good in his career. Since 2017, George Kittle is averaging 8 targets a game, 5.5 receptions, 87 yards. And he has 6 touchdowns total against them. With Garoppolo under quarterback, or under center, excuse me, 39 targets, 29 receptions, 438 yards, and one total touchdown. George Kittle had one of his best games against the Rams with Garoppolo under center this past year, in Week 10. To win a game like this, you cannot afford to have George Kittle in the backfield for large amounts of time in this game. To exploit guys like Reader, like Williams, to take pressure off Jimmy and and open windows for Ayuk and Debo. Like, Shanahan's scheme is amazing, right? Well, it also helps and it makes it even more amazing to have Kittle playing receiver, (laughs) not blocker, despite how good he is. And there's no problem having Kittle block at certain points. There's no problem. But he can't do it all game. And so... Really got to have Trent out there, and to win this game, you're also going to need George Kittle. Like, not playing blocker, playing receiver. These are big issues that could affect the outcome in this game. And, again, while I do think Williams plays, if he doesn't, I don't know how much of an impact Kittle has. The other guy, obviously, is Brandon Ayuk, right? He, recently, he's been averaging... Four, he has four touchdowns in the second half of the season. He has turned it up. We know what he can do. And, and we know, just watching Ayuk, where he flourishes. Soft zone, small pockets, open field, right? Well, to get those open pockets, to get the open field he needs to flourish, and to buy windows for him to do those things, you got to have guys like Debo and Kittle going. And I would assume Debo, and I. this is a tough thing too, because Debo... For as good he, as he is as a running back, he has flourished more as a receiver versus the Rams. Now, I get it. In 2020, when Jimmy started, there was, you know, negative negative yards of depth per target. I understand that. There was, again, a lot of screen passes. But that's how you can beat this Rams team. Get your guys in open field. Let them run the, run the ball. But with Debo... And Mitchell also being healthy, I would rather not see Debo Samuel play running back. Unless it's a certain situation at the goal line or something like that. I'd rather have Debo be lined out wide. Or be catching a screen pass, not a run. At a certain point, you have to play smart here. And Shanahan didn't do that as much against Houston. But I would like to think that utilizing your star players is of the most importance. But... All of that stuff, Stafford and Donald and Kittle and Debo and Ayuk and all the stuff I've talked about, 
does any of it matter? Because every conversation I've seen has been, who's playing quarterback on Sunday? Is it Jimmy or Trey? The media's talking about it. Every single radio station's talking about it. Where I work, we talked about it last night on the radio with Cole Skin Company. It's a conversation that has captivated the fan base all season. And Sunday, against the Rams, could arguably be the biggest time, the biggest game. It might also be the last time we have to discuss this. If San Francisco loses and the Saints win, we're done. It's over with. It will likely be Jimmy Garoppolo's last game. Now, I know many fans think it already is Jimmy's last game. Many fans believe Jimmy's done. It's Lance's team now. And many people think the way Lance played against Houston should mean so. Should mean Lance played so good against Houston that Jimmy's done. That Lance, it's Lance's team now. Jimmy, move over. <laughs> uh, the, the 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 plan has changed, and you know it's tough because there's a lot of good arguments in that conversation for Lance. Right, uh, Lance isn't limited in what he can do with his thumb. Him being more mobile helps the offensive line. If again, Trent Williams can't play, but even even if he can play. It helps him be more mobile in case pressure does come. Uh, Tom Compton and Brunskill played pretty well as recent. Uh, they're due for a sinker pretty close, and it could be on Sunday. Um, so the things Lance can do physically could impact this game in a positive way. 100%. I get the argument. It's always been the argument for Lance. Outside of developing him, Giving him game time to develop. Those are all good arguments as to why he should play. Now I'm going to tell you why he's not going to play. Now, usually if you ask me this question, and, and, and this my answer generally still stands here. When it was Houston, the Houston game, prior to the Houston game, I said, whatever quarterback gives you the best chance to win, that's who should play on Sunday. And... That was obviously Trey Lance. And we just talked about what I love from Lance in the past podcast last week or earlier in this week. We talked about what I liked, what I didn't like. I gave him a B plus. I love what Trey Lance brings to this team. And I've always said, it doesn't matter what I want or you want. It only matters who Kyle Shanahan wants to play at quarterback. And we're in week 18. This is the ultimate whoever Kyle Shanahan wants to play at quarterback. And Kyle Shanahan knows who he wants to play at quarterback. He just doesn't want to divulge that information. Now, many people think he's playing mind games with the Rams, and I think that's kind of true. He's saying, look, McVay, I want to add more stress to your plate. And there's even people out there and beer reporters who think that we might see Trey and Jimmy. And this is what makes this conversation the most fascinating it has been since week one, maybe week seven. The, this is the ultimate, the culmination of the entire quarterback conversation from the offseason to trade deadline to now. This has all been culminating. Trey has got his opportunity, played well in that second half against Houston, showed with the half against the defense he can learn from it and make improvements. And Jimmy... 
has practiced all week, Wednesday to Friday, has practiced. And he's gone from limited to questionable. Jimmy has said it, it effing hurts, his thumb does. But also has said, you know, the Kittle and Ayuk and Debo have said, Jimmy looks like Jimmy. And again, it makes every single wrinkle in this conversation more fascinating as to, well, if, if Jimmy is Jimmy, he's 5-0 against the Rams. He has a 67.6 comp percentage. 246 yards per game. He has 8 touchdown, 5 picks. Averages 8.5 yards per attempt and a 75.5 QBR against the Rams. He can beat this team. Jimmy pretty much owns this team. Like, if that's Jimmy being Jimmy, then I'll take that, right? But then again, in the back of your mind, or maybe in the front of your mind, you're thinking, well, Lance played well against Houston. This is the games you drafted him for. Why not play him here? Well, I'm going to try to play sleuth try to play uh, investigative journalist here. And again, I don't want to make a bold prediction. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to talk about what happens and the truth and facts and react and preview how San Francisco can win this game on Sunday. Over anything, every Niner fan should want them just to win. It doesn't matter who plays quarterback. Forget your narrative, whether it's Jimmy or Lance, it goes out the window in games like this. All you want to do is win. If Sunday's game against Houston was the crowning of Trey Lance in the offense, if Shanahan says, you're my guy, guess what? It's a full go. Let's win this thing. If Shanahan says, you know what, Trey? I liked what I saw, but Jimmy's my veteran quarterback. He's the guy who I've ride or died with since he got here. He's a guy that has won me this game five other times. He helped us get to a championship in 2019. And although the past is somewhat irrelevant, he knows what it's like to play in big games like this. He's had to go to Seattle week 17 in Seattle. He's had to hit two third and 15s on back-to-back drives to get us in field goal range to beat the Rams in 2019. He had to beat the Rams on primetime last year in 2020 with a bad ankle in hopes of keeping this playoff, you know, playoff hopes alive. This year, a season reeling. You're playing a big Rams team, a good Rams team in primetime at Levi Stadiums 2021. How is this season going to end up? Where are you going to be? Jimmy plays great against the Rams. He's effective on third downs. He does what Kyle Shanahan asks him to do with a full capacity of the playbook. Despite being limited, maybe physically, Jimmy does the right play at the right time, the smart play. Even despite having boneheaded ones at times, Jimmy executes the playbook as Shanahan likes him to. And again, that makes the entire quarterback conversation even more tricky. But I'll tell you now, this isn't me saying this is what I want. This isn't me saying, well, this is my narrative. No, no, no. This is what I think and believe will happen on Sunday. I do think Shanahan will use Jimmy Garoppolo. I think all signs point to it. Matt Mayoko said, look, all all signs are pointing to Jimmy. 
And I want to ask you a question before I get into my point here is that if Jimmy isn't going to play and we're hearing how serious the injury is, torn UCL, chip bone, it cannot relatch, he needs off-season surgery, right? If it's that serious and you're Jimmy Garoppolo, you played fairly well this year, you know you are likely gone like 99% done in San Francisco, either traded or released, what are you playing for? You're not playing. Do playoffs matter that much to you? Now, if you're actually healthy and can play, yeah. But if you're not going to play and it's all the ruse and Shanahan's forcing you out there to throw in front of the media, maybe furthering your injured thumb, for a team you're likely not going to play for next year? If you're Jimmy, why would you do that? Why would you risk that? Unless Shanahan has promised you, which I don't think any NFL head coach is in the business of making promises. Unless he's promised you that, well, if Lance wins on Sunday, you can play in the wild card game. That's not how the NFL works. If Lance plays on Sunday and they win, Jimmy's not playing anymore. If Lance proves he can beat a Rams team, a good Rams team on the road, In a playoff-style game, Jimmy's not playing. So why would Jimmy go out there to to be a gimmick, to be out there and go, look, I can throw a football. Why would he do that? Further risking injuring his thumb. No, that's not how it works. Now, Jimmy's a team-first player, but at a certain point, if the rumors are true, like many people in this fan base like to think he quit on this team last year, he didn't. And we learned that later, after his reputation had already been destroyed because of the fan base and rumors like that, his ankle was almost detached from the tendons. He could barely walk last year. It was so bad. Yet he gutted it out and tried to play through it until he couldn't anymore. And if you're Jimmy, again, on a team that really doesn't want you past this year, why why go out there in front of the media? Why risk further hurting yourself? For, for what? If Jimmy's not playing, he has nothing to go out there for. What, so he can get a ring maybe? That doesn't mean anything to him now if he can't play. Do you think Jimmy's Patriots rings mean as much to him as that 2019 Super Bowl loss? No. Now, you can say you're a champion, sure. But that's the same as Karan Butler and James Johnson and Shannon Fry riding the bench for the Heat when they were winning championships, or the the Cavaliers when LeBron was winning rings. It's meaningless. Jimmy's going to play on Sunday. I believe he's going to play on Sunday. If you're Jimmy, you don't go out there unless you are. You're not throwing the ball unless you are. Now, here's the wrinkle in that as well. I do think we also see Trey Lance. We might see Kyle Shanahan say, you know what? Long yarded situation, goal line situation. Let me do what I couldn't do earlier. Now that I'm a little more comfortable with Lance running plays in the offense, after that Texans game, after seeing him for two and a half games this year, why why couldn't we see Shanahan's pet project he wanted to roll out earlier in the year finally play out. I think we do see Trey Lance on Sunday. But I do think Jimmy Garoppolo starts this game. I do not believe this is posturing. 
Now, again, I could be totally wrong here, and it could be Lance, and guess what? At the end of the day, let's ride. Playoffs or die. That's what this season has always been, and that brings me to my last question. Has this season been a success? At my job, 95-7 the game, not even the hosts, the guys in the back, the board ops, technical producers, we're all talking about this. If San Francisco fails on Sunday and they lose and the Saints win, is this season a success? Everything this GM, head coach, and owner, this regime, Shanahan, Lynch, York, they pitch to us if they lose on Sunday and they miss the playoffs. Has their plan failed? Now, I do think there's nuances in there. Of course there is. Lance has developed. We have seen the rise of Debo Samuel. We have seen George Kittle is still tight end at number one. We have witnessed Brandon Ayuk escape the doghouse and become a valuable number two receiver in this offense. We've seen Juwan Jennings grow as he's outshire become a big-name linebacker. Arden Key has proven himself to be a valuable edge rusher. DJ Jones continues to impress week by week. Nick Bosa came back from the ACL. There are so many things. Ambry Thomas has improved. So many things to look out and say, wow, these are successes during the season. But just because there are successes during the season, does that make the season successful? And... If you were to ask me, I would probably give you that nuanced answer I just did. But ultimately, if San Francisco misses the playoffs on Sunday, of all the good things they've done, they have failed at their fundamental goal of Jimmy Garoppolo leads this team to the playoffs, Lance develops. Win now to win later. That's always been the plan. And if they lose on Sunday, that plan has failed. Now, again, would I consider this season a failure in all aspects? No. But in the biggest aspect, that being making the playoffs, they would have failed. That is ultimately what they pitched us back in April. In May. As we awaited this season to begin. Through all the controversy of quarterbacks and injuries and COVID and leadership and the defense and Demeco Ryans against the Packers and primetime and playoffs and all the things we've discussed all year long. This plan they pitched is culminating. It culminates week 18. This Sunday decides, has this season been a success or a failure? It's on the line. While it technically isn't win and you go home, this season rides not only just on playoffs and and getting in the tournament and if you can get in, anything can happen because it can. But if they lose on Sunday and the Saints win against the Falcons, This season, again, has not been an overarching failure. But the one goal you pitched to this fan base, 
the one goal you said, this is our plan. This is our main goal. Despite Shanahan and Lynch having their second winning season, none of that matters. Because then fans look back and they say, well, you could have played Lance all year. And that's the conversations happening now. If they lose on Sunday, what happens? Those conversations get louder and louder. Fingers point at Lance, excuse me, at, at Lynch and Shanahan. People get angry, they get mean. They take it out on Garoppolo. Can't wait till he's gone. People want to fire Shanahan. And those people are insane. <laughs> we know that. But someone needs clicks, right? Someone needs views, right? Someone needs to get their YouTube views up. Someone needs on the radio to to get their ratings higher or on national TV. You don't think if they lose on Sunday, this fan base, half of it, won't be angry with pitchforks and, and torches? Oh, they will. There will be a questioning of Every single choice Shanahan made this past year. All the good things that have come, people will forget those. If this team loses on Sunday, every good thing they've done this year will be forgotten. So is 2021 a success or failure? Well, we'll have to see on Sunday against the Rams... I, for once, do not believe it is a total failure if they lose on Sunday. But I do believe that a loss on Sunday does not bode well for Shanahan and Lynch's tenure in San Francisco. Now, that's not exactly my take on the matter. I will still be a fan. I will still believe in Shanahan and Lynch of what Lance can do next year, of the promise of Elijah Mitchell and Debo and Kittle and Ayuk and all the good guys we have on this team. But San Francisco has to win on Sunday. Has to. For Shanahan's sake. For Lynch's sake. Heck, even for Jimmy Garoppolo's sake. And partially due to Trey Lance's sake. Because we know what this fan base looks like when it's mad and angry. And it's not a great place. But on Sunday, I do think they win. I do think, maybe it's more of a hope, but I do think on Sunday, the Niners win 29-24. I think it's a an ice bath kind of game like Kyle Shanahan would say. I think it's ugly. I think it's physical. I think it, it, it's a dirty Los Angeles SoFi Stadium kind of game. I think we see Jimmy and Lance, and it's physical. Guys are pulling guys down the field, trying to gain every extra yard they can. And I do think San Francisco, ultimately, whether it's Jimmy or Trey, whoever it may be, I do think they pull this one out. I'm confident they pull this one out. Now, will I be biting my nails every single play? Of course I will. (laughs) That's the way the season is gone. But this is the culmination of everything we have been looking forward to, fighting for, discussing since last offseason began. This is the pinnacle of the season. Everything rides on Week 18 in Los Angeles against the Rams. 
against Matthew Stafford, the quarterback many of us in the sand base thought San Francisco might get. Sunday's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. At the end of the day, it could be sad. But guess what? If this is Jimmy's last game in San Francisco, let's go out balling on a high note. Let's win this game. Let's play physical, dominating football. And let's secure a playoff spot. Imagine somehow, someway, Levi Stadium rocking in a playoff game again. Likely won't happen as a six seed or seven seed, but you never know. <laughs> you just never know. But imagine going to Dallas or LA again or Arizona, upsetting somebody. Going to Green Bay in the freezing cold of Lambo, upsetting someone. The only way we would do that is if we punch our ticket this week. And I do think San Francisco does so. 29-24. And I do think the Niners clinch a playoff spot for the second time in five years under Kyle Shanahan's tenure as a bode to Jimmy Garoppolo and an ode to the future for Trey Lance. Guys, it's been 18 weeks, or will have been 18 weeks this Sunday. It's been a fun, insane, crazy, interesting season for Niner fans. I want to thank you guys for listening all year long. As the offseason looms, Hopefully, not after Sunday. Hopefully, it continues past Sunday. But for all the news, all the updates, who's playing on Sunday? Who is going to be starting a quarterback? Jimmy or Trey? Is Trent Williams going to be active on Sunday? You're going to want to follow us on social media. At 49ers.access is the Instagram. 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. We just reached 10K on Instagram. Almost got 2,000 on Twitter great stuff happening over there fun stuff conversations that need to be had are happening on both those platforms don't forget to leave a like share subscribe leave a review let's get that win on sunday and until next time this has been the ford matter access podcast my name is sterling bennett and stay faithful